Thomas, back again. Yes, and that must be podcast time. Apparently. Mm. And uh, people missed us for a while, I think. But uh, we were able to rectify that with our Well, nature abhors a vacuum. So yeah, that's presumably why we were aboard. <laughs> we are quite empty like a vacuum, it's true. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the weather's warming up. We're getting closer to, to, to Christmas, and we might talk about that in a little while. Yes, every day people tell me how many days, weeks, or, or whatever it is, sleeps even until right. Christmas, which is, I suppose, designed to make me get excited about choosing Christmas music. But actually, I just think, uh, well, it's actually not that close. Right. So you not feel really. like you've got the time. I think there's time. But uh, what have you been up to lately? So I had my uh, first opportunity to go further than the Blue Mountains. Right, so you went out west. Yes, I suppose it is west. I, I mean, I, I lived here nearly 10 years and I had never been further than uh, Katoomba right. before, in that direction. Yeah. Um, but uh, some friends had suggested that I might like to come and see uh, the cumulative performance of something called Murambilla Voices, uh, which happens in Dubbo. And I'd certainly heard about Dubbo. I know that there's a zoo there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know much else. Right. The zoo's quite fantastic there. I don't know if you've got a chance to see Sadly it. Sadly not. No. But Next I, time. I have to say, um, a friend of mine was kind enough to drive, and I really enjoyed that experience of um, seeing the scenery change, particularly once um, we'd got further than I'd previously been in the Blue Mountains. And yes, crossing the Great Dividing Range. It does It does change. It does. It's, it's called dividing for a reason, I think. Yeah. Yes, and, and the, um, the mountainy bit is so dramatic. And then for the first time seeing the great expanses of flat um, plains, uh, and then things, you know, it seems also, I suppose, obvious, but it was quite striking seeing in this time of drought um, several great pools of water, but I presume that they those pools of water are, are supposed to be part of much larger bodies of water, but right. they're just what happens to be left. Yes, they're the, they're, the, they're the puddles that have been left behind, as it were. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was a, a lovely experience. And then we got to Dubbo and uh, went to the um, Performing Arts Centre there to see this performance. And um, I'm going to say more about it perhaps in future episodes because um, there's a plan to actually involve some of the boys from the cathedral in what goes on. Um, that sounds very interesting. With the Murumbula voices, but yeah. we'll, we'll save that uh, for later. Uh, for now, it's enough to say that um, uh, an incredibly inspirational musical educator uh, by the name of Michelle Leonard runs this program which is designed to uh, give kids from, um, well, from the country, basically, from all over that region, the opportunity to um, be involved with the performing arts. And that is singing, dancing, um, playing of musical instruments, and in general, just uh, to have the opportunity of, of artistic expression. And... I don't know, I wouldn't pretend to know all the ins and outs of how they do this, but Murumbilla has been going for some years and I believe that that some hundreds of children from all school age groups are selected and then they come together um, uh, several times during a year to have these intensive courses. They all have to live there um, in, I think, quite rudimentary conditions but still it's 
fantastic that they get to do it at all. So these uh, are they there the whole year? Or, or no, 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 no. Right. So may, maybe for two or three um, week long sessions, as right. I understand it. It might it might be more or right, less sure. than that, but that's I think how it works. Um, and during these these sessions, they um, they work up um, basically a show. A performance show, and which which involves all those elements: the the singing, dancing, moving to music, um, taiko drumming, which is uh, originally Japanese, but it's very stylized um, drumming, obviously, uh, but also movement. There's there's much more to it. So um, I knew it would be amazing because I'd heard so many of my colleagues uh, talk about this incredible um, program. But to see it, even though, I mean, I've seen so many um, performances over the years of, of school-aged children doing some pretty extraordinary things. But um, this was, impressive is actually the wrong word. It was, um, it was stirring and it was inspirational. It was touching and it was humbling uh, to see what was possible and to see on these children's faces just the sheer joy um, of being able to um, perform for their families, friends, and and the audience. There's perhaps something. It's probably not quite the right word, but there's something a bit maybe primal there in that. Well, that's a good word for it. I mean, as an, uh, um, a newcomer to this country, um, I'm I've still got a lot to learn and to experience about the importance of the country itself, of of place and uh, uh, environment. I mean, of course, this is true if you come from anywhere. And where I'm from, New Zealand, there, there, there. I would say is a very healthy and um, visceral conversation um, going on about all those things. The the native people of New Zealand, the Maori, um, have, I would say, a similar but obviously nuanced um, understanding of the importance of the country that that they, they live inhabit, yeah, yeah indeed as of course um do the original australians and as of course do all australians uh, including the the people that come from the areas uh, around dubbo and it's a very large area mm. um that all the children that participate in murrumbilla come from but for me um what was very striking was that in the middle of the performance um which of course because it's worked up by the kids with um, composers and professional musicians and experts in, in in movement and all those things. But the show kind of evolves, I think, um, in the courses that they have. It is very evocative of, of the landscape and of circumstance. And at the moment, the current reality, of course, is drought. Yeah. Well, in the middle of and the some, co- of the, some of those children have possibly known nothing else. Certainly, I've read articles recently that there, you know, there's a maybe actually they'd be slightly young, but you know, four and five year old children who have known ne- never seen rain before. Gosh, and uh, in some of these country areas, and um, when there was rain a couple of weeks ago, you know, this is seen as a as a great moment for rejoicing. Of course, not that the, not that the rain that fell was a, of a huge amount, but nevertheless, it's it's Quite yes. something. Well, well, for me, I mean, even as I said, the, the simple fact that I'd never been into that part of the country and uh, only, I mean, hardly yeah. uh, dipped my toe into it, um, but just how different I, I found the landscape was 
and then to start to think about what I, I, the little I know about the circumstances, the hardships they're facing, the drought and what that means, made me think, of course, about the boys I teach in the cathedral choir. Now, most, if not all of them, would never really have experienced what this means for the people in the country. They're basically city boys through and through, aren't they? I, I would say so. Now, yeah. some of them might might tell me I'm wrong about that, but that, <laughs> this, that's my, my guess. Um, so I, th- I thought that gave me a lot to, to ponder. And uh, anyway, halfway through the concert performance, uh, there was played a video that had been made, and there was much that was impressive about this video, but particularly for me that it showed the landscape and they had some incredible photography. I think actually if you um, look up Murambilla um, on uh, YouTube, you might be able to see this video. Well, maybe we'll be able to link it in the show notes. Yes. Um, we have the technology. And and the, they've got wonderful um, uh, kind of, I don't know whether they're taken with drones or helicopters uh, a la the, the beginning of The Sound of Music, but these great <laughs> sweeping shots showing the, the red, dusty earth and uh, some the, the, the flora and fauna. Um, and then quite dramatically, um, there's some, some kind of bird, I suppose it's an emu or something like that, um, doing what it does. And uh, one of the performers from, from the concert that I saw then um, sort of responding in movement to this extraordinary bird. And it's just incredible to watch. And, and the music, of course, is part of the music of the um, the course. But things like seeing from a very large, uh, sorry, from a very far or wide angle, um, these kids in the red dusty earth playing their taiko drums all in formation, um, it's just very striking and very powerful. So, I, look, I thought the whole um, thing was fantastic. I don't know how... Sounds like you found it quite moving. I did. And I, yeah. I just uh, take my hat off to all of the um, the tutors, the wonderful people that they have um, working uh, as part of the, the whole programme, but particularly to Michelle Leonard, who has um, just fearlessly, tirelessly and courageously um, continued to make uh, this kind of musical uh, experience accessible Mm. to so many kids, hundreds every year Mm. um, from places where they just simply otherwise wouldn't be able to do it. And when I say they sing... What's her... Is she a country lady herself? Yeah, she was certainly born in that that part of the world, but she's um, uh, trained and is a very accomplished musician and conductor and and, and, and educator, Um, lives in Sydney now. But obviously she's felt um, that she wanted to to, um, contribute to music education in in the part of the world that she's from. Um, And when I say that these kids sing, I mean... They really sing. It isn't uh, children singing that we sometimes hear in in primary schools. Or yeah. you know, uh, this, this is proper singing. And, and how many were performing when you saw them? Now I'm going to get the number wrong. I think it was 200. So it's quite a sizable crowd. Yes, and it's not always all of the uh, performers on the stage all the time. Right. Um, there are different age groups um, and there's, there's uh, uh, some of the shows performed just by the boys, some just by the girls. Um, they're very nearly equal numbers, mm-hmm. boys and girls, and Brilliant. a spread of ages. And then, of course, there are some things that they all do together and that's extremely uh, powerful when it happens. 
Yeah. And the other thing I thought was wonderful was see, was actually watching the audience, watching the um, some of whom are friends and family, but some others like me are just just people that are coming for the experience. Mm. Um, but watching how palpably this affected them, um, some had obviously been year on year because there was, um, uh, well, I suppose you'd call it an anthem, a song that was clearly very dear to the Murambilla community that that Musket. Uh, sung frequently and everyone right. was joining in with that Brilliant. Uh, there was people near me who um, uh, are now adults and they're married but they had met as as kids participating in the course right and so I, I was quite taken with that that's yeah that sounds great and going in what really did you expect did I you didn't expect know what, what to expect found? I mean <clears throat> I suppose I don't want this to seem um, disingenuous but I'd been told that it was amazing, but then um, musicians uh, often, when they're talking, especially <laughs> when they're talking about education, yeah, it's very easy to say, "Oh, it was it was just fantastic." I mean, yeah. all these kids and they're doing something that you didn't think they'd be able to do, and so I, I look, I I knew it was going to be worth going to hear, which is why I agreed to give up two days to yeah. to make it. Right possible, across, yeah, halfway across the state. Although I have to say that being able to do that was also through the generosity of my friend who drove and the generosity of the uh, other friends who you know made it possible for me to go. Um, but I, I didn't really quite know what to expect. I certainly didn't expect for it to have had such a profound effect on me as it did. Well, it sounds like it was a very fulfilling experience it was yeah it was it was great to see um because one of the things we talk about uh, as cathedral musicians or musicians that that work with children in the way that um we do at the cathedral um is that you you must never limit the potential of of young musicians that you know if you you challenge them and give them the right um uh feedback and um education that they can achieve extraordinary things and we know that to be true well that's exactly the same approach that these people have. They, mm. they um, produce, I suppose, aesthetically a very different result. But, um, you know, there I was thinking, oh, I know what, what children can do. Yeah. But these children it, it surprised and inspired me in, in new and different ways. You uh, hinted at the possibility of some sort of... Mm, cross involvement with with some of the cathedral choir and that that was well, I, I came back thinking to think about. I came back thinking that one of the um, I presume stated aims of of the whole organisation uh, is to make this um, kind of opportunity available to children that that would otherwise simply not get it. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't stop thinking, as I alluded to before, that the boys I teach um, don't have easily the experience of of being in that country i mean they hear about the drought they hear about people in the country doing it tough and they're aware that there is um country new south wales um but i don't think that they have it's all perhaps a little bit academic yeah Yeah. indeed and then i thought well obviously uh, a nine-year-old is a nine-year-old and there are nine-year-olds in Sydney City singing in my choir and there are nine-year-olds um, in Dubbo or, or wherever in the country. They've got that in common, but something else they have in common is music. Yeah. And um, there would be so many really positive possibilities if we could bring these uh, children from different backgrounds but with with a great unifying factor, if we could bring them together together um, I certainly know that uh, it would be 
of huge benefit to the cathedral choristers. So um, uh, Michelle Leonard is a, a wonderfully generous and um, uh, just uh, she's a very affirming person and uh, was only too pleased to um, to agree to, to meet and talk to me and uh, um, we're, we're cooking some ideas. Brilliant. Mm. Well, we look forward to hearing about those once you know you've got your i's dotted and t's crossed or yes. whatever so that's that's great mm. now we mentioned that uh, christmas is coming and um with christmas of course the end of the year and with the end of the year we see a changing of the guard somewhat in some of your choir personnel and um a few weeks ago before they did their exams we were able to talk to a couple of the scholars now remind us who the scholars are yeah so these are the boys um who uh, have been choristers singing with the main cathedral choir and when their voice um, changes sufficiently we want to keep them singing albeit that they can't sing treble anymore and some years ago I decided that the best way to do that was to form um, a choir just for them so that they could be part of a group that either their voices were all changing together or um, they were people whose voices who had only recently changed. So they're all in the same boat. Um, and I also realised that having been in the, the main part of the cathedral choir as trebles for a number of years and given that uh, these older boys would be getting towards the more senior um, levels of the school, that uh, we would have to have a slightly different arrangement in terms of the schedule uh, for these boys. So they don't have to rehearse every morning. They rehearse two mornings before school and they sing Vespers and Mass on one afternoon and then they sing the Saturday evening, first Vespers and first Mass of Sunday uh, every two weeks or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, a, a much reduced schedule to take into account that they're doing other things. But we want to keep them singing and to keep them singing in the cathedral choir environment. Um, we do try and find occasions for them to sing with the, the main cathedral choir. I have to say those are always some of my favourite occasions when I feel we have uh, the whole choral establishment um, right, yeah, you know, of, all together. Of, of, of boys that have gone through yeah. the, the whole thing together. It's, it's, there are too few of those occasions that I must work out ways to do it more often. Um, but uh, yes, and uh, the scholars that are leaving currently um, ha will have been in the choir eight years. Yeah. Uh, so they've yeah they've they've done a good length it, of time, and I'm very proud of all of them. And they've seen a fair amount. And yes. they, it was a fun day, wasn't it? Talking to we were talking to Blaze Farah and Perrin Ford. And that's right. They're they're two of the three. Uh, boys leaving at the end of of this year, and actually, it's you know we were talking about uh, my ambition to send some of our boys to the country to experience that. We actually sent these three uh, leavers um, to the UK last year, and in some ways that was a bit of an ex a cultural exchange or, or mm. a, a bit of a pilgrimage. Also, um, they they went to participate in the Eton Choral Course. Um, I, I think there possibly have been students from Australia that have gone before, uh, but not from Sydney and certainly not from St Mary's Cathedral. Uh, so that was a great thing for them to do. And, of course, they came back obviously enthused about what they'd experienced there. I think probably, I'm sure they'd have many things that they would say that were great about the Eden Choral Course, but 
from what I observed, it was just seeing that there were so many young people just like them yeah. that loved uh, performing in choirs, loved ensemble music making, loved composing, and I'm sure that was just uh, very eye-opening for them. Yes, well, they, they talked about that, so let's, let's hear uh, our interview segment with them now. Can you introduce us, please? Well, we have uh, two of the, um, the uh, old men of the choir, the soon-to-be leavers from uh, our Year 12 scholars. So uh, these two gentlemen, Blaise Farah and Perrin Ford, um, have been in the choir, in Blaise's case, for what, eight years? Yep. And Perrin, you must have been, what, seven? Something like that. Something like that. Um, so they're just coming up now to the end of their final year at school. Um, the end of their final year at school. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and that will be the culmination. And they've done the whole thing, which is um, uh, perhaps somewhat rare that they've stayed in the choir all of the time they've been at the Cathedral College. So that's uh, something we want to congratulate them for. Yes, indeed. Uh, Blaise and Perrin, good afternoon. Hi, hello. Hello. Uh, and um, why don't we start with a relatively easy one so that some of our listeners have a bit of an idea about who you are as humans and individuals. Um, and uh, individually, you can tell us what uh, subjects you're actually doing for your HSC this year. Blaze first, I think. I'm doing English Advanced, English Extension 1, English Extension 2, two unit maths, chemistry, music 2, and one unit studies of religion. Right. Would um, you say that's an eclectic mix of subjects? To a certain extent, yes. Um, Is there anyone else that's doing exactly the same combination? We were. Yeah, for year 11, we were doing the same yeah. subjects. Right, brilliant. And the beginning of year 12, yeah. That's fun. We dropped different things. Mm. So. Okay. So what are you doing, Perry? Uh, four units of English and three units of music, two unit mathematics and studies of religion, one unit. Hmm. Now, that, I'm afraid, I didn't uh, come through the HSC myself, so it's slightly alien to me, but I, I, can, I can use my power of deductive reasoning yeah. to work out that you're doing a lot of English and music and, yeah. music and, and a certain amount of maths. Hmm. So um, that's good, and it's, it's a fairly varied curriculum that you're facing there, but one thing that has probably set you apart from most of your peers in your year group is the fact that you have been in the choir. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah? And have you enjoyed your time in the choir? It's the first easy question, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, can, you can be honest as well. You can, yeah. say, you can say you've enjoyed most of it, or some of it. <laughs> I've had a positive experience overall, I think. I, I, off the top of my head, there's nothing really negative. It's a long time to have yeah. done it, isn't I mean, it? I feel like a bit of a fossil. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. What do you mean by that, by being a fossil? Oh, I've been... Same rooms, same walls, <laughs> eight years. It's a long time. And there's so much routine about it, isn't there? Yeah. You know, we, we go in at the same time in the morning, rehearsal, the same evenings, there's mass and vespers. And of course, what, what we do at mass and vespers really doesn't change. Um, you've been through the cycle of Gregorian chant now. A few times, times. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, so much of the music is, is similar. Some of it you've sung as trebles and then you then end up having to learn, the, in your case, the tenor and alto parts. Um, but I hope, though, that the, 
the real core of it, which is singing and, and making music, has continued to keep it interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting going from the travels to the scholars because it feels like there's a lot less work, especially on Wednesdays and stuff. I mean, I never um, less work as a scholar. Yeah, as in it, it felt more laborious as a chorister. Right. And is that partly you sort of finding your place in the world and understanding possibly yeah what you can do and yeah, yeah what you don't need to worry about with, yeah possibly also seeing with other voice parts and stuff so having an ATB choir rather than just the treble line. Okay. That might contribute so to when you're well. choristers, you're 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 of course just the trebles. Yeah. So right, and um, I, I also, as, as I understand it, I, um, I think you as scholars, you actually have got less. There's less requirement for mm. day in day out. Is that right? So yeah. you, uh, how, what is the kind of rehearsal load? What are you doing? So we've got Monday, Tuesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, and every second Saturday. Right. Okay. So it's less than half of what the, yeah. the, what the chorus In terms of hours. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that um, the scholars um, are able to do more because they're that much more experienced. So what they can achieve in two morning rehearsals mm. usually is, is um, you know, more than it's possible to do with, with nine-year-olds. Mm. Um, well, that makes a certain amount of sense, I think. And yeah. I, I don't know if it feels like that. I suppose, especially for you at the end of, of your time, maybe it does feel a little bit slow, um, always happening. Because any, any rehearsal is going at the speed of the, the slowest people, isn't it? But, but are you, do you become aware that the scholars, when they're at their best, are um, actually quite accomplished? Yeah, it's quite interesting because um, kind of the year 12s have just had trials and then a bunch of other stuff and a lot of us have been sick for a while. So we've kind of, it's, it's been like a term holiday, not officially, but kind of we haven't been around very much. Mm. And kind of um, coming in to sing again last night, it's interesting how much they've improved in our absence. It's interesting that, yeah. that, that they have to. And yeah. it's, the, it's the same thing I find every year at the start of the year with the choristers when a few... Um, boys have, have left, their voices have changed, they've, they've gone into year eight, um, or they've become scholars. And I every year think, how am I going to make this work? This is going to be a disaster. The whole thing is going to fall over. And then within a, a very small amount of time, uh, the younger boys step up and they step into the, those positions. And in, in a sense, that's happened with the scholars as well, that um, as you've been away, the others have, have had to to do something or they will have been embarrassed I suppose uh, you know what's applicable here is that old saw that na nature abhors a vacuum mm. and so um, the benefit is that if they had been left to their own devices these younger boys they probably wouldn't have changed in exactly the same way but because they've been shown what's possible either by by you know the year 12s going off and doing their own things at the beginning of this term or uh, the the choristers who's who, who have been left by their elder brethren um, that they they know what's possible and so they they you know they realize that they've now got a role to fill either consciously or subconsciously yeah. Do you think we've got the balance right in terms of what the scholars do? What do you mean? Well, so we, we've said that it's um, less of a workload. Yeah. Um, and that's deliberate, of course, because as you go through the school, you've got other priorities um, that would be impossible to expect um, older older boys to do as much as the, as the trebles do. So do you, do you think we've, we've got that balance right? I mean, it's got to be enough that there's... Uh, a point know, to it. A point to it and that, that you can feel that there's a regularity because that's how you get better. Yeah, I think so. What, is there anything that you would change or that you wish had been done differently for your time, either as choristers or as scholars? Not necessarily. Um, 
I'm finding de uh, deputizing more with the lay clerks recently has been fun and that's interesting because it's a lot less time to work on some different music. So it might be nice to, um, and it, we're, we're kind of looking at like new repertoire and stuff, but just stuff to kind of um, spice it up that way. Uh, do you mean that it'd be nice if the scholars could do more repertoire? Yeah, I think or so. if the scholars could do more singing in the lay class? Or both? Uh, both, I think. Mm. And you like that? I mean, you you enjoyed the challenge of just needing to learn new repertoire yeah. quickly, uh, you know, as the professional singers do the late clerks. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not great at it, but I feel like the last couple of services have been a bit more successful than maybe the first couple. It's like anything; you get yeah. better the more you're doing. You've got to be thrown in the deep end. Yeah, and I can see Blaze's mind wearing away. Yeah, it's wearing away. Come on, how 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 would you? Um, what would you do, you do differently? differently? If you were yeah. if you had Mr. Wilson's job, what would you do differently? I don't know, I think the, um, towards the later years especially because the, um, I don't know, the capabilities of the junior choristers decreased a little bit. It was quite nice um, singing ATB for Wednesday, um, Wednesday afternoon masses and vespers. We should just say for, for the listeners that that um, it refers to the fact that for a few years we separated out the junior and senior choristers. And the junior choristers, who were boys in years four and five, usually, um, would sing mass with the scholars on their own on Wednesday, so without those more experienced trebles. And you're right that um, sometimes that was more successful than other um, yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I found it quite useful when I was starting to have Wednesday afternoons with a bunch of other people who didn't really know what they were doing. Because I, I started as a chorister relatively late, and so when I was kind of um, pushed into the Wednesday kind of thing, I thought, oh, well, he's asked me to sing on Wednesday. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do whatever, and I'm going to try or something. Because even if it goes wrong, the people around me are also getting it wrong. And well, that's, that's a big part of my philosophy. I mean, yeah. that's, that's why we have the scholars at all. Because, of course, boys' voices change. And so I thought it's really important to have a group where they can all be having changing voices and can make funny noises and, and you know, OK, we laugh. <laughs> but, but no one, I hope, is, is reduced to absolute um, embarrassment because it's, it happens to everyone. Well, also, when you're in a group, there's kind of mob kind of anonymity. <laughs> yes, there is. That's right. <laughs> so, so, so that's why we... it was the person next to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a bad smell. <laughs> that's why we have the scholars. And then I applied the same thing to having senior and junior choruses divided that hopefully the seniors would enjoy the possibility of um, not being held back yeah. by younger boys. And that the, the youngest boys would actually have what we were talking about earlier, the fact of being thrown in the deep end and suddenly having to do it. Mm. So we are going to go back to that separation in terms of this mm. year. Um, but sorry to have interrupted you, Blaze. That, that, so you, was, you were saying how um, you found that at times frustrating as a scholar and that it's, it's been good. Um, one, one benefit of not having that um, happen for three terms this year is that the scholars have been able to tackle lots of ATB repertoire, which we have done. I think, actually, I forget the tally. We've, we've learnt something like 15 or 16 mm. mass settings this year, whereas last year, ATB, the scholars did four. So there's been a huge increase in what we've had to do. And it's been, um, it's been quite interesting because we have, we have a very interesting ensemble in the sense that a lot of people can switch between parts. So... 
um, adjusting balance and stuff like that. It's often quite an enjoyable process because... It's an interesting process. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You get some people who really shouldn't be singing certain parts half the time. And that um, changes from from mm. almost from one month to the next, you know, when... when One day to the next. Yeah, that's right. Because everyone's voices are are sort of (laughs) in that stage where you never quite know what they're going to Mm. do. So last night was a case in point. We did that... um, Brumel Missa de Drinks Mass, which the scholars actually know very, very well because um, you sang it on a number of occasions last year, including on tour in Belgium. And so I had that in my head, oh, this will be fine, it won't take much effort. But then, of course, a lot of people were away. Mm. Um, we hadn't had as much time to rehearse it as I had expected, and it came to yesterday afternoon, and I realised that actually there was nobody in the room that had ever sung the first tenor part. Oh, no, that's not true. One of the boys who was at this point singing bass yeah. had previously sung the first tenor part and uh-huh. to give him his credit he said oh I can do that sir and I sort of looked at him and thought can you <laughs> but actually he did mm. and it was fine you know um, so you're absolutely right it, it, it can be really interesting what, what can happen in that ensemble and that doesn't happen with the lay clerks for example Yeah, they might like to switch parts kind of I'm not going to let them yeah <laughs> Also, when you spend more time rehearsing and stuff, spending more time around the people themselves, you kind of have that kind of freedom to kind of feel not only like you know them, but also that you get to know the repertoire better. Of course, if you can have sung all the parts of a piece of music, I mean, there's that old um, line, isn't there, that that choir rehearsals aren't for learning your part, they're Mm. for learning everyone else's. (laughs) And you actually get to do that to an extent. How terribly wise. Oh, yes. So, um, sorry, Blaze, I'm sure there's more here about, come on, how, how, how might we, um, even, maybe not do things differently, but how might we reinvigorate the, the choral program here? You've had now a great perspective, both of you. Some interpretive dance. <laughs> yes, well, perhaps we'll get you back in as a mm. specialist to, yeah. to work on that one. Do you feel confident in your ability I mean, I str- to specialise there? I, I yeah. struggle to walk, so... <laughs> 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 well, the old processing then, that must be fun, yeah. That's another thing that no one ever does right. Actually, that is something that I'm not happy with. Yeah. Occasionally, I, always I, strange. The, the choristers have um, taken on a really bizarre way of processing. <laughs> just, just this I have, year, I've noticed that. They never that, used yes. to do it, and it's mm-hmm. like two caterpillars that oh. will go around a corner as a caterpillar instead of in pairs processing. So you get this sort of, sort of like these tracks going. It's really odd. It really annoys me. But um, and do you think that the whole group is to blame there? I mean, I feel like there are some individuals that might be. Well, uh, it has it has sort of crept in and become normal. So I, I do need to to address it. The trouble is that it can be quite hard to get them to think about those sorts of things. And one of the things is when I... Here we go, the old man speaking. When I went to school, we used to walk everywhere in two straight lines. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. That's just not a thing. So I I used to assume that schoolboys would be able to walk in a line. Well, you can't assume that anymore. That actually has to be taught. No, well... That's the difficulty with uh, you know the iPhone generation walking along with their head down. <laughs> well, yes, maybe if we put an iPhone in the back of every other boy's head, then they'd be able to follow it. Yeah. But um, hmm. I'd like mm. to see that. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we'd all like to see that. <laughs> Might be a bit beyond the cathedral's budget. <laughs> so let's <Or> bionics. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we think back to? Um, the early days. So, Blaze, we were hearing you've been in the choir for eight years, Perrin, you for seven. If you can remember your experience, how, how did you 
were you told that you were going to be joining this choir or was it something that you actively wanted to do plays it was a mix of both I mean I like I've been singing for a very long time before the choir anyway so the opportunity of um, you know going to a place where I could further that was just oh yeah this singing was great. just something you did in your family wasn't it, it was, yes yeah, yeah big part of normal family life yeah. still is still still is um so yeah and then i think the um just get being able to come here for school that was another great opportunity that came with um joining the choir so yeah it was it sort of worked out just yeah, yeah it was like pretty conveniently down, yeah this sounds great i'll i'll come here okay and Perrin, how about you? Mm. Um, yeah, but I kind of arrived halfway through year six because my parents had discovered that the choir was a thing and my brother was going into year five. So he was brought along to audition and we didn't know that I wouldn't be able to audition to come in year seven or something. Mm-hmm. And um, so then, so this was just before, I think it was probably term two and I was in year six. And then um, I auditioned as well and kind of got in. And there was one other um, boy who arrived at the same time. So we had about half a year in primary and then... Who was it? Was it? Oh, that was, uh, Thomas. What actually oh. happened is that Perrin and his brother came on the same day mm. to audition, and I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I can only um, take one of you. The younger boy oh, right. who's going to be joining uh, in year five, which is when boys could join the choir in those days. So, unfortunately, um, young man going into year seven, uh, this won't be for you. So off they went, and I, I heard Perrin's younger brother, who sang very nicely, and I was very, very pleased to offer him a place in the choir. Um, but whilst I was auditioning Perrin's young brother, Perrin was in the room next to my office singing You Raise Me Up at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, I have to say, I, I thought, well, this, this boy really does want to sing, so maybe it would be the least I could do to at least let him come and sing for me. So he did. Do you remember that, Perrin? I do. Yeah? <laughs> and was it a deliberate ploy? No, I don't know. If it, it definitely wasn't my ploy. Because um, <laughs> so uh, um, I was in the other room or something, and my mum was like, no, you're going to audition for him. Now practice for me or something. And so I was kind of doing that and then cracking on, like, the high notes or whatever. And I was kind of like, no, I don't really want to. I don't want to be an inconvenience or something. <laughs> and, then, and then she was just like, no, no, you're singing. Well, it worked, because I thought, yeah. you know, how many boys are there that, that just that so clearly want to do mm. this? Also take and instruction so so <laughs> dutifully from their mothers. So, yes. uh, but the reason that we don't normally take boys, uh, except mm. the norm, you know, where they can start with everyone else, is that it can be very hard yeah. because um, the group has has learnt a certain number of things, and it's also routine based. And so, I'm sure that you did find it difficult. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I had a personal drive that I kind of wasn't exploiting and stuff and I'm like still very reluctant to kind of put across um get across so I was so I was ha- so I was happy that I was made to kind of shriek in the other room um actually joining the choir itself uh it was a bit different because it was like being completely thrown into something but it was really uh it really interesting so for a few years at school I'd been kind of brain dead um after moving to uh, Sydney uh, going to a different school and so then suddenly being in an environment where you're surrounded by professionals and constantly surrounded by something that's completely new and also very interesting I, I kind of consciously decided that no, this is something I'm interested in this is something I'll do in my free time as well and stuff like that but I, I was quite far behind the other boys for quite a while I think mm-hmm. so I remember um, yeah especially like theory classes which I'm not sure if do the choristers still do theory classes we do it as part of a sort of um, 
generalised musicianship mm. now. Okay. But even things like, you must have thought things like Gregorian chant was the weirdest thing in the world, that all these kids were singing from I this I really liked Gregorian chant initially, because um, it, w- it was marketed to um, what me and the other probationer at the time, because there was only one, I think there was only like maybe one or two other people at the same time, because I arrived at an irregular time. Um, it was marketed as a th- oh, simple or something like that and I kind of have a sentimental attachment to that so I was like oh Gregorian chant that's lovely I love that because it's um, simple or whatever I, I, I thought that Latin was weird mm. yeah yeah well I, I, obviously you did you did very well and uh, mm. you know we have sitting here um, there's, a, there's a, a third boy in year 12 also who's, the three of them are extremely accomplished and uh, um, it's interesting you have um Certain years where where lightning seems to strike in this case three times, um, and the, these there have been other good uh, singers in the same year group, of course, that haven't stayed through. But but these boys have been particularly fine. And so last year, um, you all went to the United Kingdom to participate in the Eton Choral Course. Mm-hmm. I wonder what you made of that experience. That wasn't a, a formal choir experience, no. was it? No, no, the cathedral no. um, did. Um, help with the pay, payment yeah, yeah help to pay for some of it that was very generous but no this, this is something that, that was that was really their initiative yeah. um, and so what did you make of that? Our singing teacher Mr Butler suggested it initially and then we kind of followed <laughs> yeah. so how many people were there on the course about 60 I'm not sure right from all over the world or mostly from the UK or? it was mostly from the UK and a couple from Europe I think. we had a few from America mm. and yeah so there was some international were there and any other Australians? No. No. And do you feel like you fitted in sort of culturally with everyone else on the course, or were you slightly...? Well, culturally, it wasn't really a thing. I think it was just that most people had, like, a common passion for singing, and we're all kind of nerdy people anyway. Brilliant. And it, yeah, it's, all kind, it's kind of a bunch of kind of people who are used to being outcasts but aren't necessarily not chatty, right? Um, and then you have these, these things that you can talk about and, you've got all, and you're doing all these things together and everything just kind of flows very naturally. It's really nice. And did you feel that um, you'd been well enough equipped by your experiences yes, to be able to do the thing? Yeah. I mean... I think we were um, going into it possibly a bit nervous that we w- wouldn't have been well equipped enough. I know. Um, I heard a room of incompetent yeah. <laughs> 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 You thought these things are the same the world over? Yeah, <laughs> they really are. <laughs> And um, so, how long? How long was the course? Nine days. Yeah. And what was the it was kind like of a week or something? Right. And what were you doing day in day out? Singing. Yeah. Singing. Yeah, I remember we would get up fairly early to have breakfast, and then would get I'd get to bed at about eleven or something, and just kind of flop down. <laughs> right. And you'd be singing between fairly early and eleven. Yeah. All continually. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. Died a few days in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in in yeah. smaller ensembles as well as yeah. larger groups. Yeah. Good. So we had solo training. We had um, consort training, which was a smaller ensemble, and then we had um, larger choirs as well. So it was, was it just male singers? No, no, no. So they were, so that's mixed. and it was um, what ages? Sixteen to eighteen, I think so. Okay, right. And did you put on a big performance at the end? Yeah, we sang even song twice. Yeah, there are a couple. I don't know of if that counts as a big performance, but but that's what you were sort of working kind towards, of was it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, excellent. One of the courses had a broadcast. Even yeah, song. that was my one. Yeah, I was very happy yeah. about that. So yes, that was broadcast live on BBC Radio Three. It wasn't live. I think it, it was recorded like three months in advance or something. But um, 
Yeah, that was fun. Because we were told at the last minute or something, so um, it was interesting because we had to learn another thing of Psalms, and the Psalms were different different for us, but also I think a lot of the other singers mm. were quite different. I also remember thinking on our course that um, we had all these tenors, and a couple of them were quite good, but Blaze would have been better than any of them, right? I think, personally. because oh, uh, it's, 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 it's the same thing as what happens on your course. Like, um, you've made the comparison to foghorns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it, it's, yeah. it's hard to find um, well-adjusted tenor voices for mm. young people. It's, yeah. it's just, it, takes, it does take time. It's one of those special parts, really, isn't it, the, the, the tenor? Range. Yeah. Well, a few people do it well. Right. Yeah. I think that I think that is true. Um, I think you talk to any uh, choir and they'll say, "Oh, we, we're, we're struggling to find tenors." Um, but uh, anyway, so you'll you'll be in uh, employment if you want to, Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you both want to do? You know, I know you must get sick of being asked that, mm. but but you are about to be kicked out of school. Yeah. Um, so what next? Oh, <laughs> um, I'd like to go into medicine eventually, so. How will you do that? Well, I've sat the, um, I've sat the undergraduate admissions test this year, so I'm going through the process of applying to all universities that offer undergraduate medicine, and then if it doesn't work out this year, then there's contingency plan after contingency plan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the... For example, at the University of Sydney, and I, do, I don't know very much about this, but yes. am I right that um, actually they like people to have done some other degree first? Yes. And then do, had you thought about that possibility? Yeah, so it is, it is generally preferred that um, people do an undergraduate degree in anything, really, because they're like well-rounded individuals and then do postgraduate medicine. So that's another option. I mean, uh, you, for example, I, I think of you as a bit of a polymath. I mean, you, you, you can do all sorts of things and have them. I mean, your uh, HSC subjects, for example, demonstrate that. Yeah. So I'm interested why you aren't thinking of going that, that route. Um, I don't know. I think I've, I've always been driven to become a doctor since I was very young. So it's... I don't know. I Why think waste any more time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, so, yeah, the faster it happens, the better, I think. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm open to whatever life does to me. And mm. I mean, you say that, but I, I should point out that I have a friend who is one of this podcast's most devoted listeners who, when we were at school together, he always said that he wanted to be not only a doctor but a brain surgeon. Right. And we got to university and uh, uh, we... Um, you know, he started his, his medicine degree and decided in the second or third year that, no, that actually wasn't... He had had enough of anatomy. And uh, so uh, he switched to um, another degree, PPE, and he now works in, in finance, so effectively. so, And I think he's much happier uh, having found that particular um, niche to carve rather than the old brain surgery but uh, so don't, I think probably what I'm saying is don't be so certain that even though you have wanted to do this for such a long time don't be surprised if in fact it turns out that you, you, you don't yeah. end up doing it and, anything yeah. can happen yeah and what about you Perrin what's the what's the plan well um, directly after school because I'm hoping to apply to some universities in the UK to study um, music um, 
there are a couple of places that also offer combined degrees with music, English, and philosophy, which I'm also looking at. But um, mostly to study music. So in in the gap between then, I'm hoping to do volunteer work or something like that. Um, also some more singing and some more writing. Mm-hmm. So and why why do you want to study music? That's a it's a brave thing to do. Yeah. Um, well, because I enjoy music, I think. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that because yeah. I mean, every year there's there's usually one or two um, students leaving school who will say, ask me, you know, should I should I do music at university? And gosh, that's a difficult one to answer because I'm aware that there's not much money in it. There's not much money in it. Yeah. Um, there's there aren't there's there's very few sort of set career paths. Mm. So I can never say to anyone, oh well, if you leave school and go to university and study music then you can get this job and that will say that's just not the way it works there's no template like that have you wanted to study music for a long time Um, a bit like Blaise and his medicine not necessarily Um, I've I've always been a bit like crafty or artistic or creative or something like that so I I remember writing picture books with my brother and my mum when we were like maybe three or something we would do the pictures and also I think we've lost them now but they were fun (laughs) there's um but all, but Don't worry, I'm sure they will resurface. I, <laughs> probably. Mothers have a have a habit. Yeah, I mean, we've been in Sydney for like nine years now, and still nothing's <laughs> unpacked <laughs> from the moving boxes. So, um, I, I mean, I always liked music. Like, I remember there was one time um, I watched with a friend a documentary on anacondas or something. So I detuned the ukulele and wrote a song about anacondas, and I, and I was always like correct. Um, correcting when people would start singing something in the car and say no that's not the right key because I don't really have perfect pitch but um I can tell when something's in the wrong key so it's it's um so like that and then also wishing that there was a machine in the living room to try because I because I would think of songs and stuff because I didn't really know anything about classical music until joining the choir um wanting to like transcribe these like pop or rock songs or something that I was thinking of on um like some machine so because I didn't know how to do any of it um so I've always liked music, but like most people have liked music. Um, most, <laughs> most people. But it, like sounds, music it sounds like you might have liked it in a more in a different way, in a more deeply technical way, possibly for a long time yeah. than most people. Well, I think you're, from what I know of you, mm. I would say you seem to be doing music at, or wanting to study music at mm. university for the right reason, which is that you just sort of can't imagine not. Yeah, and and I think that's that's really important. And then who knows what what mm. comes from that? It's a bit the same with Blazer's medicine. You know, it just you know that that's what you want to be learning about that's what will fascinate you that's what you think will nourish you and you go and you, you try that and, and if it does then on on the path yeah. you are um, so yeah now Perrin you mentioned uh, writing and actually on the the last episode we were hearing from some of the choristers about a piece that you had just written mm-hmm. for the which was going to be performed at the, at the college concert yeah. uh, do you want to talk about that well I guess. Um, it was fun. What did they say about it? I'm interested. <laughs> um, they were really excited to be singing it, actually, oh, quite frankly. And they, and they were particularly excited by the fact that it was written by effectively one of their own. Mm. I, I, I think they ex- found that quite impressive. I, I was very excited to write it for the choir. Because I remember as a chorister really wanting to write And I, I brought up a couple of things as a chorister to Mr. Wilson, and they are a bit crap, but he was very supportive and stuff. They were... Um, it's something that's fun and it's something that I've really wanted to do because when you as soon as you're given something right you want to kind of oh, take it apart figure out how it works and then kind of do your own thing with it and fig, um, figure out how you can you know get hands on with it so um, kind of having the sheet music and having 
a visual way, like an actual craft, and you can observe when composers have done certain things or something, and you've got all the, these years of seeing composers do these things without their organ parts, with their singing parts, and how they kind of deal with certain problems. You kind of want to um, do that yourself and kind of get hands-on with that. So it was kind of an opportunity to try to do that, right? Something that was something that I liked and also something that let me kind of do that yeah yeah, uh, yeah you're able to realize your mm. your vision effectively as well, people say yeah having said that as, as things particularly as scholars you end up mm. learning all the parts you two have actually been on the inside of some really great music mm. you know by serious composers um, yeah and even the fact that the music we sing most often being um music by people like palestrina well palestrina is the the person that taught the great composers not directly of course but they all studied his music because yeah. it, it gives you all the building blocks of writing good music um, so you actually have had that almost by osmosis and even with Gregorian chant there's so many composers whose music is infused with that and uh, you know it's where melody really comes well our, our western idea of melody really comes from so I think that has to be a good thing and Blaze is also a composer um, <laughs> <laughs> well, did, did, you, did you also write something for the college concert play? Not for the college concert, oh, no, okay. for the HSC. So yeah, um, yeah, I've I've done a bit of writing, but I'm nowhere near as prolific as Perrin is. I I write for a purpose, and yeah. there, there's no shame in that. But what you're saying, I think, <laughs> is I think what, yeah, I think what you're saying though is that Perrin doesn't write for a purpose Perrin just you know will it, can't will stop it, it. Will <laughs> some have tried <laughs> well very good on that note I think we should probably um, let our our scholars depart Thomas they've got school to go to it's a shame isn't it mm. yeah mm. well Blaze and Perrin thank you both very much for, for being here with us on the podcast and um, I'm sure that all of our listeners join with me when I say um um, best wishes to both of you for, for the HSC and then for whatever comes beyond there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> can't speak. Thank you. He's <laughs> tear it, tear it. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
So what are we listening to here then, Thomas? Well, uh, that piece of music um, was a setting of the text uh, Ocle Omnium, The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food in due time, um, set by one of the people that you've just been hearing talk, by Perrin Ford. Yep, as we were hearing him talk about, yeah. Yes, and so uh, Perrin came to me during this year and said he'd like to write a piece for the choir. And over several weeks, more and more of this piece kept appearing. Um, and I I love seeing uh, student compositions. I find it both fascinating and um, a little dis- disconcerting in that I have no idea how to teach composition. And right. I've, I've said this to Perrin yeah. <laughs> and others. Um, what I What I can do is say what I see or hear or think um, about their piece and make uh, those kind of observations but I, I'm not someone that's that's gifted as a composer uh, so I'm not sure how much help I was able to be yeah. to Perrin but I was very pleased and happy to um, to perform his piece um, I, I think it's it's got lots to recommend it and I think the choir enjoyed singing it as well must be a weird experience to to perform music by one of the the school children in your choir and i think i'm right in saying that that was a first for right. my time at st mary's anyway yeah well great mm. encouraging yes anyway all right then as we say it's getting close to christmas so you got all the usual suspects planned well, yes, and actually perhaps in our next uh, podcast we'll talk about the um, Archbishop's um, Prize for Young Composers, yes. um, which uh, links with what we were just talking about, of course. Um, so this year the Archbishop ran a competition uh, for young composers to set a Christmas carol, and a text was chosen by the recently deceased Australian poet Les Murray, um, a really interesting Christmas text which produced a healthy number of entries and uh, I'm really rather excited about, well, about a few of them, but obviously particularly uh, the winner, um, which we'll be performing in our Christmas concerts and also the Cathedral Carol Service. So that was part of the prize, wasn't it, that, that the That's winner, right. winner's piece would be performed at that on those Christmassy occasions. Yes, and indeed when you run a competition and offer a performance of the work as part of the prize... It must be um, a bit, a bit You worrying. always think, well, I, yes, yeah. I hope that we're going to get something that we want to perform. Well, in this case, we certainly have. And, well, that's and, good. And there were several that could have been performed. Um, but um, I am, as I say, particularly enthused about uh, the one that we've chosen. So we'll talk more about that Does next time. Does the winner time. know yet? Yes. Oh, well, that's all yes. right. Then. Yes, okay, fine. Um, and so when are the Christmas concerts? On Friday the 13th of December, there's one at 11am, and then it happens again at 7pm. Right. Usual sort of uh, structure, as as we've seen for the last few years. The, yes. With the, uh, it's definitely a concert, but it wouldn't be, in my to my way of thinking, um, a, a Christmas concert in a cathedral unless there were texts read from the Bible as well as other secular um, appropriate texts um, and it of course again will involve the entire audience if not congregation um, lustily singing some of their favourite Christmas carols together with the choir and orchestra I know it's what I look forward to all year (laughs) and we look forward to hearing you excellent well maybe I should come to both performances then (laughs) 
Well, thank you very much, Thomas, as ever, for your your time and uh, and your your careful consideration for the podcast. And um, thank you, listener, for listening and supporting us. And if you do like what we do, um, you can do all the usual things, perhaps, to help support us, which includes subscribing to the podcast if you haven't already subscribed, and that way you can be sure that you always receive new episodes as soon as they're released. Um, and you can like us um, wherever things can be liked, including on iTunes, or you can possibly even write a, a review, ideally positive for us on iTunes, please. Uh, and all of this really does help. And you can always get in touch with us if you like. Um, you can either leave a comment on this podcast episode's page on the website at www.cathedralchoir.sydney/podcast. Um, uh, or else you can send us an email at stavedoff at cathedralchoir.sydney, which is a fun email address. Anyway, for now, goodbye, and we shall see you for our next episode. Well, we won't see you, but we'll be talking to you for our next episode. <laughs>